Welcome to the other, another episode of The Linguists. I am Nora De Palma. And I am Pamela Pizzurro. And we are The Linguists. Uh, if you didn't watch the last episode on Tuesday, please go back on our Facebook page and you will find it there. Uh, Pam did a great job, as, as she always does when, when I, I, I'm not there and I let her be alone. I am sorry, Pam, but thank you so much for being a trooper, like you always are. Um, you are and- welcome. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, our guests today are the owners of Nightingale Interpreting Services, a provider of American Sign Language, ASL Services and Language Interpreting Services, since 1987. Anthony and Carrie, like, uh, Thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you guys? We're good. Thank you for having us. Yep, it's an honor. It's an honor for us. Yes, it's an honor for us. I know you guys are extremely busy running your agency day and night. I know you guys are open 24 hours for anybody that needs uh, an interpreter or a translator at that time. Um, I know from experience, you guys have been, you're up like 24 hours a day, seven seven days a week, right? Answering those phone calls. That's Pretty much. Crazy. Um, so how did y'all start the agency? Well, um, I actually uh, got my degree in translating and literate in translating, literating, and um, went to Nightingale for my um, internship. And at that time, I uh, was offered a position of director and it was owned by the Chung family. And so I ran the directorship, I ran the interpreting agency for him for three years and he came to me and decided that he wanted to retire from the interpreting side of it and asked me if I wanted to continue on with the agency and I said, sure. So I just kind of took it over and he sold it and we kind of went from there. And then I recruited my, I recruited Anthony to come in and uh, work for me and how, how long did it take for you to recruit Anthony? <laughs> oh, probably about a week <laughs> to convince yeah. him to quit his job and come work for me. Yeah, I was on, um, the, we, we were given notice that we would own it as of October. And so we started laying foundations in June to take it over. But um, the gentleman who owned it, you know, the way the company that we purchased it from, it's called Nightingale. It still exists, but they were all, um, what do you want to call it? An all service industry kind of for the disabled community and for the deaf community. So they had like a work center there. They had uh, homes for the, for adult disabled. So they could have independent living. And this is a lot of how um, a lot of these, um, the, ASL um, interpreting agency started, you know, they had multiple roles Um, as opposed to say some of the language interpreting agencies here in Houston. A lot of that started with um, the oil industry here. So um, we have a similar, we have a friend of ours that runs a uh, runs universe universe technical translation here in Houston and they're, um, their business is all geared towards translating contracts and, you know, just as of late, maybe in the last few years, they've begun to do uh, more interpreting business, you know, on the, 
the type of business that we do, which is related to the community. But I know, Nora, you know, you know this, that translators and interpreters are two different cultures. Um, the people that get into the, those two fields, you know, translator, translators are always looking to, um, they work with words and contracts and literature, whereas the interpreters are doing live things all the time or, you know, translate or interpreting, I should say, um, events, that kind of thing. So. Have you enjoyed it so far, Anthony? Yeah, I mean, I love the people. I mean, we started out focused primarily on sign language and that was Carrie's specialty. And the contracts that we have, little by little, they were asking us to do languages also. So that was, that's where I started delving into the language end of it and finding the folks that speak these languages, the languages of Houston are, are pretty diverse, you know, Spanish obviously, but Arabic and Hindi and the many um, languages of India. I mean, there's lots of dialects in India that are here in Houston. And then did I say Arabic already? I did, right? Yes. Um, Russian. I mean, anywhere, if there's an oil company there, you know, there's people here that have settled that with that language. I'm Ethiopian, you know, there's Tigray and uh, what's the other one, Carrie? Do you remember? Yeah, yes, it's um, Amharic. Um, yeah, there's Amharic. It's Amharic from, uh, from Ethiopia. So all those languages are, you know, not to mention Chinese, the two, two uh, languages of China, you know. And Vietnamese. Um, we get Vietnamese. So there's plenty of business. And so we just little by little became a language uh, company also. So uh, let me, because I am very, very ignorant about the ASL industry. I'm, my combination is Spanish, English, 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 Spanish. Um, you said you started as for disabled people as interpreters only or as translators as well well how it started was was primarily it was just for uh, for the deaf community and uh -huh. um so we had we had interpreters that would go out into the community to service the schools the hospitals okay. the courts that kind of thing and um, the big contracts that I had for like the city and stuff, they finally came and said, look, we need uh, language interpreters as well. Can you help us out? And so then that's how we got started. It kind of got started with the Spanish. Yeah. And kind of went from there. Um, sign language has trilinguals, which are Spanish mm. interpreters as well as um, ASL interpreters. So uh -huh. they can do they can do Spanish to English to and then ASL. Um, there's not too many other trilinguals other than other than the Spanish in the Houston area, but um, that's primarily how we got started. Yep. And then so yeah, so when we do combinations um, like Arabic and and if somebody in the family is deaf, we'll have to obtain an ASL interpreter there and combine them with an Arabic interpreter. And so, and that can happen with any of the languages, you know, because deaf community members come from all, yeah. all parts of the world. 
So like uh, that's that's where my question was going a little bit. I just wanted to to get it right. But so is it easy then to find interpreters in all these other languages that Houston has that are some of them very rare, like they're not easily found in other states sometimes. So let's say one of the languages for Ethiopia or um, but only for interpreters, for ASL interpreters, has it been easy? Is the market, um, is, is there a, a plentiful market, a bountiful market for interpreters? Um, well, I, no, go ahead, Carrie. Go ahead, Anthony. Well, I started by going to the Houston Interpreters and Translators Association and using them as a resource. But um, they weren't always a resource for some of the um, obscure languages that are languages of limited diffusion. So I had to get really creative. And one of the ways I got creative was by looking in businesses that serve our community. And so, for example, with Amharic, um, my first the first place I looked for an Amharic interpreter was in the real, real estate business mm. because the courts would accept somebody who spoke Amharic if they had a business background. And, you know, there are a very limited number of certifications, you know, for, for languages, you know, per se, for the courts. Yes. So that was very helpful to have. Translating, you know, you can send your magazines or books or contracts anywhere in the world to get them translated, you know, these days through the internet. Mm-hmm. But um, having somebody as a live interpreter is a whole different, a whole different ballgame. Indeed, yeah. So um, have y'all so you have the live interpreters, but physically, right? But you guys, are, you guys are doing a lot of VRI, right? A lot of remote. I'm sorry, video interpreting RVIs. We we are, but we've always there's always been um, VRI in the ASL community. Um, it's not the first choice for the deaf community uh, because you've got a lot of issues with the screens freezing. You don't get a good connection. Um, it's slow, and so we've used VRI for like emergencies. Let's say that, you know, somebody in the middle of the night needed an interpreter at the, at the hospital and we could, it was going to take an hour to get that live interpreter there. That's a good time to use the VRI. Mm-hmm. Or if we're going to a remote location where there aren't a lot of, you know, a far off city that there are not a lot of ASL interpreters available, then remote interpreting is good. But it's VRI is never um, a, complete replacement for that live interpreter. But because of the COVID, um, there is a lot more interpreting going on for the VRI. But if you talk to any um, deaf consumer, they're gonna tell you that they would prefer that live interpreter. There's just nothing nothing like getting that, that true, um, the meaning from that person standing there with you. And there's a lot of challenges that relate to uh, the languages because Especially now, like Harry said, with COVID-19, um, we're dealing with, with hospitals or mental health agencies, and they have to take into consideration the you know, HIPAA requirements. And so the interpreters have to be um, aware of these things also. So they have to maybe have a business um, associate agreement signed with the company that they're working for so that the interpreting agency can show that the interpreters are aware of, say, where you have to set up and, you know, how you can, can how you have to control your documents and what, it, what do you do if you 
say you lose your phone and you have um, a privileged information on there, you know, privileged patient information. Um, who do you call if you lost it? And you know, how much time do you have to call? So all these things come into consideration and um, they become more important now with the insurance companies and even the, like the mental health agencies, because they're doing audits on how we control all this information. And uh, wow. because it used to be just years ago, everybody would just like maybe get on the phone. You'd call your auntie over and she spoke Spanish and I could get my auntie <laughs> on the phone, you know, to, yeah. to translate. But now, you know, they want them to have medical terminology. They want them to be, uh, have a room set up where, you know, nobody can hear what's going on in there and right. that kind of thing. So it's, it's really fascinating the challenges that we have these days, just in the last five years. Carrie, would you, would you repeat what was the, the year that you started? Well, around? It, it, we actually started <laughs> in 1986. That's when the- That's a long time. Founded. But um, I'm not sure where it changed over the years to 1987, right. but <laughs> we'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, then, I, you, I'm so sorry. Go ahead, no, Laura. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just like, so from 1987, you just 80. said that about, or 98, 98? No, 80, 1987, sorry. Um, until you said just like about five years ago, you say, Anthony, that you've seen things changing in regards to, I guess, the HIPAA regulations and all Hmm. It's gone from being like regionally operated, like it might be a small insurance company or several of them might be our customer in the Houston area to uh, major corporations that own, have bought up these insurance companies and they do business a certain way. And it's all geared towards really big national companies, which is where the direction that, um, these interpreting, the interpreting business seems to be going. Um, the equalizer is, is that for telemedicine and for video remote interpreting, anybody can do it and it can, it can take place from, you know, in other words, it puts us on equal footing with some of these national companies because we can have a specialty and um, we can reach out anywhere in the country almost anywhere in the world, really, as long as you have a Zoom, well, you have a Zoom link, you know, or you, you know, there's how many other platforms, you know, now. Mm. And just in the last, what, two weeks, three weeks or a month? Right. It's wow. become even more critical. That's crazy. Yeah. So. So, so um, <clears throat> what um, I'm sure that a lot of interpreters and, and translators that are out there Either they're just starting or, or they've started with freelance interpreting and translating, and now they want to uh, try out an agency and see how that goes. What, what do you as an agency look for in an interpreter? Well, um, we, look, we, look for, um, for, we look for certification. We look for qualification, 
Um, you know, and then you've got to you've got to look at their background, their resume, see where they've worked. Um, you can there's certain languages that we can test. There's some languages that I can't test. Um, I just kind of have to hope, you know, that that I can call their references and make sure that that, that they've got those good references. But um, with sign language, um, the the most important thing is their certification. And um, there's two different certifications that the interpreters can get. They can get a state certification, which is the BEI, and they can get a national certification, which is RID. National certification, they can go and work anywhere in the United States. BEI um, is, for, is for Texas. And um, I think we had, we had talked before, um, Nora, about um, the fact that a lot of our sign language interpreters the freelance interpreters, they're kind of, um, they work for a lot of the different agencies. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of get to know everybody in the area. And um, it, it's just, that's kind of what I look at. And I also look for, um, they're, they've got to have good person skills. I mean, you can be an interpreter, but if you don't have that passion and you don't have the ability to, um, to really care for what you're doing, then that really comes across to your deaf consumer and as well as your as, as the client, say the doctor's office or whatever. So if if you don't fit well and you can't you can't link that together, then maybe interpreting is not a good a good position for you. At least in my company, my company is that my mm -hmm. deaf consumer comes first and my client comes first, and we've got to all work together and fit together. Otherwise, it just it doesn't work. And then for languages, for, for languages, being a member of um, one of the big organizations or even the, the, the local like Houston Interpreters and Translators Association, having that background or being a, a member um, gives you prestige as long as as well as ATA, American Translators Association. And those offer a, offer a lot of opportunities to um, for growth as well. And Anthony, you're not only just a member at the Houston Interpreters and Translators Association, you are also the vice president, correct? Yes. That, what, is it, what do they call that on TV when they make those disclaimers or you know, <laughs> give fair notice? Yes, that's true. That's why I keep uh, you know, bragging about the Houston Interpreters and Translators <laughs> Association. But every city in Texas has an association. Yes. You know, and I'm sure it's the same way around the country, you know? Yeah, that, that is true. Um, tell us a little bit about what does it entail to get a contract with the city or within the community? Is there some kind of window when the hospitals take offers? Yeah, so what'll happen is, um, like for the the best example would be like a city contract. Cities ha have to offer the contracts to the public. Um, and it happens like every three to five years. Um, but there's a lot of requirements. I mean, like for us, I mean, it's not something necessarily that an individual interpreter could do. And that's why an agency is an, being part of an agency is an advantage. Because, uh, for instance, the city wants us to provide a deaf interpreter somewhere in the city of Houston within two hours, 24 hours a day. And that's not necessarily something that an individual interpreter can do, you know, as well as meeting um, financial requirements, 
um, incorporation requirements, um, having insurance, you know, a million dollar insurance policy. Um, and now even more so like for a lot of the hospitals, et cetera, um, being um, able to delegate uh, or dole out business to um, disadvantaged businesses like minority owned businesses. So you might get the contract, but you have to have some, a certain percentage of your business given to minority uh, based businesses or woman owned businesses. And that's where interpreters and translators working freelance can um, really gain, gain an advantage um, by having, be, by being able to fulfill that part of it, like part of a contract. Um, but it's, so this, yeah. you, you practically get the stage ready for, for your interpreters. You, it's like this uh, whole production that has to take place three years before you have to apply, you have to fill out all these papers, you have to get your insurance, like you mentioned. There is so much that goes into me as an interpreter working for an agency that, that the agency has to do and has to go through in order for them to give me that contract. Yeah, it's even shorter than that. It might be like with you have to, they'll give notice one, um, like on the 30th of May, let's say, right? And they'll pass out the RFP, the uh, request for proposals. And then by July, by July 1st, you have to have all that together and submit your proposal and how much you're going to charge and all of that. And uh, so it's, it's like even not even a window of three years, it's like within a month or maybe two months and negotiating that RFP is a, it's a big, oh, it's a horrible mess that you, you know, that stacks of papers. I mean, the difference between the city of Houston's, the city of Houston's RFP for uh, interpreting and translating was about 60 pages and UTMBs, you know, the big public hospital here was over 200 pages. So you had to read through those 200 pages and make sure you're in compliance or they just throw your, throw your proposal out the window and send you a sorry letter. <laughs> so you basically have to have a team of people working on all this or it's scary like a superwoman then doing. <laughs> I, that's where I've got him. My focus and my passion and my heart is, is scheduling and getting those interpreters where wow. they need to be. So that's where I focus my energy. And then I have Anthony that is my contract specialist. Got it. So you guys are basically just the two of us working on this contract. We have one, we have a couple other people that work for work with us, but we are a very small company. Yeah. But the interpreters are what make us big. I mean, we have um, almost a hundred interpreters that work for us over maybe a two month every two months. You know. Um, but, languages. Yeah, but the languages, I mean, obscure languages, if I could show you the list of people we have who are capable, I mean, it's huge. It's a huge list of people. So, um, no, the four people, and actually, I, I'm remiss. That's, there's like five, we have five people that work on, on uh, making this business run every day. And there's a lot bigger companies than us, you know. Um, but... Um, we're able to get by and, and make sure that uh, 
we we meet a lot of interesting people that speak a lot of different languages and really feel good about the work that we we do and the way we we're able to help people in the deaf community and in you know the people with langu- languages of limited diffusion you know i mean sometimes uh, you know that's something that's lost these days you know people don't communicate so we're able to help people communicate well we do spend a lot of time um in the deaf community um like i i go to a lot of different functions to make sure that um the deaf community is taken care of i we belong to a lot of the deaf organizations so that we can support them and help them with what they you know whatever they need um so it's it's important that that we're out there with the deaf community because i mean i work for them i need to understand them i need to right. know them and so it's important to me to ha- to have that relationship with them that's absolutely amazing. Um, that, that's awesome. You guys do a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful work. Uh, so what do you do when you can't find a last minute interpreter? I know you said you have, you have a handful of interpreters that work with you, but, but what happens when, when you can't, when you just can't find an interpreter or your interpreter that you had lined up is, a no-show or they forgot or you know well um for for that purpose a lot of times my interpreters will will um let me know like last minute hey i can't make it i'm sick then i start scrambling around finding and you know just calling up more interpreters saying hey are you available can you get over there um sometimes we have to call the the client and say look my interpreter just got sick or you know, we can't find an interpreter. Can we move the time? So sometimes you can ask, can we, can we move the time? I've got an interpreter that can be there at this time. Is that good? Um, sometimes I've gone, I've had relationships with a couple of different agencies. And, and um, so we're able to help each other. If I can't find an interpreter, I call them and say, hey, you guys got somebody you can help me with? And the same thing with them. They'll call me and say, hey, can you fill this job for me? And so between that and, and sometimes far and few between, but I've had to say, I'm sorry, we just don't have anybody, let's reschedule. There's times where I've actually um, comped the job because I wanna make sure that we can get that interpreter there for, for, um, for the, the member that needs it. So there's just all kinds of different ways we can get through, but yeah, it's frantic. I'll start off, I send out an email to my interpreter and say, are you available? And then I start getting more desperate when I don't get them filled and I start texting and my interpreter's like, okay, now I know you really need somebody to fill this because you're texting me. And then my next step is I get on that phone and I start calling them one by one and saying, hey, hey, hey. But um, it's been really good that, that the interpreters will always, there's somebody that will step up and say, I'll go do this for you. So, and those are the ones that, that have the deaf heart and that, that's the ones that I look for, so. I have a question regarding um, the sign language and, and the deaf community and the ASL interpreters. Do you have, do you have a need for, for more ASL interpreters in a particular language currently? Well, for ASL, it's, it's, it's still, I mean, we only have the one language, but um, we, I mean, there's always a need for interpreters. Um, the, 
we, I mean, we, we need to get more and more interpreters certified in the Houston area. We do need more trilinguals. We don't have a lot of trilinguals in the Houston area. And we also need court certified interpreters. There's, there's not too many in that area as well. So um, as far as the, the basic interpreter, thank goodness we've got um, several different um, age, uh, schools in the Houston area. We've got Lone Star, HCC, um, that put out a very good um, interpreter training program. And then there's a couple of agencies in the area that offer training after they've graduated. We do mentorship programs. We have uh, internship programs to help get those interpreters moving so that they can take their tests and, and, and uh, you know, become certified interpreters. So do you offer any training for your interpreters? We do. We have, um, like I said, we've got an internship program. We also have a, a mentorship program, and that's for the interpreter. That's for the students that have graduated from college or graduated from the program, but they they're waiting to take their test. It's important that you keep your skills moving because it's kind of like with any language. If you if you don't use it, you lose it. So this gives them an opportunity to continue in the field, to get on uh, hands-on training so that when it comes time for them to take that test, they're gonna be more um, productive and, and more successful in taking it. Um, they all, there's also a lot of different um, workshops that they can go to. Um, a lot of the interpreters have to keep up their CEUs. And mm -hmm. so um, there's a lot of different programs. We've got several um, uh, memberships that like um, the Houston, um, I'm sorry, um, oh, I can't even think of it now. I, I apologize. We've got, oh, we've got, um, it's kind of like HIDA, okay. where, um, you know, you can, it's TID, Texas Interpreters for the Deaf. We've got the Houston Interpreters for the Deaf. And um, it's the same thing. They, they put out workshops. They have uh, big groups every year that you can go to and get training and get the newest information out that's you know out on uh, the circuit and different things like that. It's CEU the conventions at the conventions they hold that kind of thing. Yes, that's very good to know. I think that is um, super crucial to know, especially for those who want to get certified and that are already. Um, um, ASL interpreters, well, not ASL interpreters, but that want to become because they already have the skills of sign language. Mm -hmm. um, what would you like to see more in interpreters then? Uh, truthfully, I would, for, for sign language interpreters, I would like to see more um, passion. I would like to see them um, I don't want it to be all about money, money, money. A lot of interpreters say that they got into the business because they can make so much money. That doesn't make for a good interpreter. A good interpreter is someone who's passionate and cares and really wants to do something for the community. And so um, I, I'm kind of hoping that um, our mentality moves more towards, um, what do I want to say? More towards that, that um, let me learn how to be compassionate. Let me learn how to convey this message without being a robot kind of system. 
uh, more passion. Uh, speaking of more passion earlier uh, during these, this, everything that's going on uh, in Minnesota, there was the sign language interpreter. She actually made it in the news. I don't know if, if you saw any of the press conferences. Uh, I'm sorry, in Minneapolis. Uh, her name is Nick Zapko. Mm. I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I, lo I loved how, I love how she was interpreting and I loved her passion and, and I must agree with you. I think you, you have to have that, that passion um, and it, and it should overflow like your passion overflows and, and, and Pam, when we're together and, and we're working and, and we're talking and sharing things that have to do with work, you have a lot of passion as well. So, well, I've um, not noticed, but um, I'm sorry, but um, sign language is more than just putting your hands up and mm -hmm. signing. It is, it is a visual language. And the more visual you are, the better that helps um, to understand what you're, what you're trying to communicate versus just putting your hands up and signing. You've got to get that visual. That's what, what the big controversy was with why they weren't wearing their masks because you can't wear a mask because you've got to see what what the face is doing so yeah that's a big um a big blockage in our in in our profession for for all of interpreters i think there were there were of masks but we just have to find a way to to go around it um i do have one question that it's just personal curiosity and i i would like you to either confirm it or deny it because I'm, I'm not sure. On 2016, my dad suffered a stroke and it left him, um, he, he can hear still, he's able to hear, he's able to a little bit, communicate a little bit, but he doesn't understand very well. And so I remember my sister and I were thinking, well, maybe we can start teaching him sign language um, and you can learn it and I can learn it and then we can communicate with him a little better. But then I found out uh, that there are, it's like a sign language for a particular country, um, like the States has its own, its own system of sign language, then Peru has a different one, then maybe Germany has a different one, um, just like languages. Is this true? But yes, it is. There, okay. and it, um, ASL is American Sign Language. Right. And there's mm -hmm. German Sign Language, there's Korean Sign Language. So, so there is, each country does have their own um, sign language. Mm -hmm. But um, American sign, sign Language seems to be more universal. Um, but, but just so that you know, even within the United States, American Sign Language can vary from state to state. Oh. Um, you can meet somebody online and you can tell where they're from just because of some of the signs that they use. Because it's like an accent. Wow, that kind of blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, Houston, you've got kind of got a twang accent here and it's kind of the same thing. It, it's, it, it's their accent. Or they may use particular words in a different different sign for those words than say California would use or um, you know New York would use. It's different. So there are ways of figuring out where you're from, and you can tell that you're from somewhere different by by the different signs that you're using. So it's kind of like that the dialects. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's really interesting. Cool. Yeah, I never, <laughs> I never knew that. Uh, we have a question from from a viewer. Is there a universal sign language? Well, um, that's that's what I'm saying. So, um, really, it's more like I think American Sign Language would be more of your universal sign language, um, but there's not one that everybody. I mean, everybody uses. But but I can tell you, like with 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 the Spanish, the Mexican um, sign language, when they call us and say we need um, someone that's that is from Mexico. Um, and they speak Spanish, it's like, no, it's like they, they speak Spanish, but they sign American sign language. So we can still use right. that American sign language um, interpreter to get the point across, especially if they speak Spanish, then it makes it easier to cross over. Kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's an interesting thing that I've noticed too, and that is that, see, we have certified deaf interpreters, and there's members of the deaf community that can, there, there's a certain commonality that they negotiate the language, they negotiate the signs. And so they're able to understand each other a lot easier than, say, me trying to communicate with somebody who speaks Chinese, you know, because there's a lot of common signs in certain ways. So they'll find commonality or they'll negotiate and decide what term they're going to use for, for what particular, you know, noun or whatever so maybe the sign for love is a universal sign or something yeah very like similar yeah there you go. i i don't know it but just assuming <laughs> so what i keep thinking about since you were talking about you can tell where you're from you know with the different signs and and whatnot i was uh there's always this thing uh fixing that we have i'm fixing to you know <laughs> so it's like well how would you know, that's, that's, that's someone, you, people, we say that, or at least down here we say that. So it was just something that was crossing my mind. Sorry, go ahead. Little, yeah. little lady D moment right there. Okay, <laughs> when I came from Los Angeles, analogy. yeah, when I came from Los Angeles, I couldn't figure out what was going on over here because I thought everybody's either fixing or they're wrecking. You know? <laughs> so. <laughs> they're reckoning yes. something or they're fixing something, <laughs> fixing to do something. So. Uh, I had a question. Um, I had an, uh, an interpreter mention uh, a while back about, about double booking. When, when a provider double books the interpreter and two different agencies, there are two different interpreters show up to that appointment. You know, how does that, you know, that's one of the problems so, that you may face as an agency. So you're talking about um, not the same agency booking two different interpreters. No. But the like provider, the client, the client the called the provider. provider two and providers. you guys got the third party interpreter to come and, in, they're both, and another agency did the same thing. Mm -hmm. and, and they're both and, there at the hospital. And that does happen. And so then you have to look at, well, who, who called who and who scheduled who. And um, sometimes it gets down to, well, who holds the contract or um, who's they have to wrestle. Sometimes the interpreters have to wrestle. You know, <laughs> really? no, I'm just or rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, they could do rock, paper, scissors or arm wrestle. 
they've even gone they've even gone so far as to ask the, the um deaf consumer who do you want to say um because, because maybe maybe there's the the interpreting is the same way like we were talking um as far as like um being able to to read the interpreting from the for the deaf consumer to be able to understand what the interpreter is saying there's different ways that the people sign there's english there's um pigeon there's there's uh <laughs> it, it's kind of it's it, it there's just there's a i mean there's different ways to do it and so sometimes you may have an older person that that does um exact english which means you sign every single word um and then there's somebody that like a younger person that just does the um the pigeon kind of asl which is like a gloss it's kind of like thrown in there um and so they understand that better so there's times where maybe there's the one interpreter her signing skills are easier to understand than the other one it doesn't mean that that, that one's better than the other one it just means that they prefer that one that that form of signing or that type of signing so um hmm. but getting back to your question pretty much it's just up to the that the client that's there because they're the ones that ordered them it's like well who who are you going to send home and like i said you go to go who's the contract with or you know who do they and prefer and then i'm assuming you kind of already since you've had that experience happening you you kind of covered that already in your contract right like it happens a lot, you know, really, <laughs> it does. I mean, I would say several times a month and it a might month? be because of an insurance company <laughs> might be sending somebody and the hospital might call somebody. Oh, and, and so, you know, or the doctor's office might call somebody that they use all the time. And there's, yeah. they don't communicate. There's right. no communication. And that's the same with Spanish too, with Spanish or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. They miscommunicate. So yeah. would you consider that a loss? No. No, because we get paid usually saying, either way. Oh, right. It's in your contract already. If you have that, yeah, you probably have covered uh -huh. it already. That's because uh, we yeah. have to cover that cost of that interpreter. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the interpreter needs to make money. They went all the way over there. So that's never happened to me. Thank God. You know? <laughs> I'm gonna pray. Day, I'm gonna I pray for you, it. Nora. <laughs> Thank I'm you gonna pray for you. I need it. <laughs> So we have another question from our viewers um, asking, which country's sign language do you think is the most expressive, if there's such a thing? That's a good question. Um, to be honest, I, I have to say that I, I don't know too much about foreign sign language. Um, mm. I, I think that American sign language is, is very expressive. Um, and it can really be like, especially in songs um, or with poetry and stuff, it, it can be very beautiful. It, it can actually be so moving that, I mean, you bring, it brings tears to your eyes to watch somebody that can sign a song or read a poem. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And by the way, before I forget, we are going to tag along this interview in the future because we are thinking about inviting some ASL interpreters to mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about um, all this world. So because I, I think, I don't know, it just fascinates me, whatever I'm not dedicated to, I want to know a little more about. Um, so just for our viewer in case they want to see that episode.
Well, and and um, I can tell you that you that most of Houston has seen a couple of the very best interpreters we have in the Houston area, and Randy Thesson is one of them. He has been the one that um, has been um, doing the mayor's press conferences, mm -hmm. and Ashley Henderson. Um, she actually covered the um, hurricane. Oh and, wow! Um, and and it sparked the interest of was it Deborah Duncan Anthony? Yeah, yeah. Deborah Duncan. So they invited her on the, on her show so that she could talk a little bit about the world of uh, interpreters. And um, so yeah, it's yeah. You'll see our inter the interpreters that are from Houston though on a lot of things like um, Amber Gallo Amber uh, Galloway with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. If you if you type into YouTube sign language, uh, red hot chili peppers, you know, interpreter, mm -hmm. you know, there's, she's been on that and she's wrapped on TV shows and stuff like that. So it's was actually, it's really Tonight interesting. Show? Yeah. I was on the Tonight Show with that, with um, whatever is that, what's his name? Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. So. Who yeah, was that? Had a, I can't hear you. She had a wrap off. I think yeah, they had a wrap off oh, for sign really? language. Yeah. This is Amber Galloway, right? Uh huh. Amber Galloway with another interpreter, but uh, it's really something to see. I mean, it's, I think it's as expressive as the person can be to answer the caller. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. the individual person. I mean, there's key. There's languages where people just talk with their hands, anyways. Right. Like Italian. You know? Yeah, <laughs> Italian. And and it's the same. There's some very conservative sign language interpreters. And then there's some that are really, really expressive that have this this huge window, you know, that they interpret in. So <laughs> that's interesting to know. So um what advice would you give someone who's trying to start an agency? <laughs> Don't do it. No, that's your advice. I would Not tell somebody <laughs> to go work at one first and try to do every job that they have there. That's a good, that's a really good advice because yes, you have to start from the bottom and then go um, step by step. Um, yeah, because scheduling is an art. It's like an art form, you know, and there's some people that are really good at it because they're, real people person. Like I think Nora would make a great scheduler too, you know, wow. <laughs> like, no. but I can, you have to be like super, um, I, I don't want to say literal, but you have to be very organized, right? Like, because mm -hmm. otherwise, gee, you can have those cases of the interpreters coming at the same place a lot. Yeah. When you have 15 to 20 jobs a day, it, it gets, I mean, you've got to keep them all straight on who's going where and what time they're getting there. And you got to make sure that you've got them, all the addresses right. And um, I mean, it just, it, it's a lot. And, and like, even you've got to be willing to work 24 seven. I mean, we don't close. So, I mean, I get phone calls at two o'clock in the morning and I've got to get up and that's when I dread having to start calling people at two o'clock in the morning to say, ah, hey, what are you doing? Can you <laughs> sleeping? You know? So it, 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 it took me a while to finally, what, a couple of years before I realized, oh, look, let me get somebody ahead of time. 
<laughs> put, put them on retainer and say, okay, if I call tonight, you better get up and go to this job. Right. Yep. It's Cinco de Mayo, but you're not participating this weekend. Yeah, so, you you're know. not going to go. Yeah, you're not going to go party. You're going to be ready to go. Um. So I. That's also kind of a. But I guess from my personal experience, we have had. I've been in agencies where you have to stay for a number of hours with the. Uh, provider in this case would be you guys and then we can be released as interpreters do you have some kind of, of system like that as well or is it like uh, just go for like 12 to 1 and that's it yeah we can make I mean the best thing about having an agency and is you can always be fl flexible it's up to the agency to be flexible with the interpreters okay and the best thing about being a freelance interpreters, you make your own schedule. So if you want to make a deal with the interpreting agency and say, hey, I'll be yours every Thursday from eight to two. And if the interpreter, if the agency has business at that time and they can rely on you, then, you know, they would be dumb not to take advantage of that, you know? Well, and that, I think that that is where the role of uh, an interpreting agency kind of falls because um, I, I know a lot of us, interpreting and translation is basically a freelance career mm -hmm. and they don't tell you that when you're studying it but then you have to go out there and that's worldwide it's not only here in the states so then you have to go out there and find your you know the best rates they they offer and what you know it's fair for you as an interpreter and then you guys agencies like you that know that it is a lot of work for us to get trained and we have to invest a lot as well and know that we also have to make a living um, for what we do. Uh, it's important that, that you can negotiate that for, with the interpreter or with the translator. It's, I think that's crucial and that's a um, uh, really big role that agencies play in our world. Um, I don't know if, if you have any other question or... <laughs> Um, I know, no. <laughs> <laughs> 2 a.m., what are I you doing? Think, I think, uh, yes, they do. And some agencies, like like you guys, you guys are willing to work with an interpreter. Some agencies are not. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, this is how much you're getting an hour, minimum two hours. Sometimes you don't even get a minimum of two hours anymore. You know, you only get one hour. And it's this much, and we're not going to pay for your mile. We're not, you know, we're not going to give you anything extra or whatever. You either take it or you don't. Well, that's kind of, we, I mean, we, we don't, we're not in that sense, but we kind of have to base what we pay our interpreters on what we get from um, our contracts, right. from contracts. And, and with ASL, unfortunately, it's becoming a lot harder to compete because um, you've got a lot of these, these massive um, language companies that are like global, that are coming mm -hmm. in. And because they make all of their money off of languages, they can undercut the sign language. And so now they've got these contracts that they've got these that they've got the sign language going and they've, they've made it so low that the little agencies that come in or even the interpreters that come in, the clients aren't willing to pay that anymore because 
they know that they can go to these global agencies and, 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 and get a lower price. Unfortunately, those language agencies can't cover the cost of the, I mean, they can't cover their interpreters. So then they're going to have to come to us because they can't find the, the sign language interpreters. And mm -hmm. it's kind of the cycle. So um, I like, my interpreters are willing to negotiate. Um, There's certain times where we can offer lower rates. Um, and if we can do that, then by all means, I pass that on to my client. Sometimes, like I mentioned earlier, uh, we do a lot of work for the community. So I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of discounts or I do a lot of things where I feel like I'm just going to do it because I want to and I just want to cover the cost of that interpreter. I'm not making anything off the job. I just, you know, and so I'll ask the interpreter, I'll say, hey, what are you willing to do this for for me? Because this is what we're doing. I, I'm, I'm doing this for them as a courtesy. Um, we do a lot of funerals, weddings, things like that, just for that reason. And um, surprisingly, we've got a number of wonderful interpreters that will say, you know what, I'll go do that wedding or I'll go do that funeral and I won't charge you. Or if they've got to drive a distance, just give me the, you know, just pay me the, the travel cost. Um, so there is a lot of negotiation that, um, that we do. And because we've got a lot of interpreters, it's, it seems that you know if you if you want to price yourself so high and you're unwilling to negotiate, then you're not going to get a lot of a, a lot of work from us. Um, it, it's kind of that's just kind of the way it is because you can't dictate to a to an independent contractor what they're going to charge, but you can choose if I've got a choice between an interpreter that's charging me an outrageous amount versus an interpreter that's willing to negotiate and work with me. I'm going to work with that interpreter that wants to work with me. So. It's good to know the side that you guys have to go with as well. Like, who are you competing with in order for us to get paid the rates that we are getting paid? Because I know that there's a conversation in uh, one of the Facebook pages that we're in, and it was exactly this. It was like, because of the current situation with the pandemic, a lot of agencies are bringing down their prices and all that uh, for interpreters. And so um, I think it's very valuable that you as an agency are sh are sharing the struggles that you guys are, are competing against or are going through and who are you competing against um, to get these contracts and to get an interpreter um, and to give them, to give us a job basically. So it's good to know that and to, to, to keep it in mind, you know, next time we as freelancers accept a job, we know kind of what are the rules of the game. Yeah, not take y'all for granted at all. Thank you for all of the work that you do uh, in order to give us work. You guys are amazing. Thank you for your time. I know that you are very busy. I know that you have a business to run and I know that you are currently open <laughs> since you're open 24-7. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you very much for your time. Thank, thank you, Anthony and Perry. Thank yes. you. It's our pleasure. Anytime. Yes. Thank and you. And next week, uh, for all of our viewers, we are uh, launching the, um, the post very soon, but we're going to have a very dear, well-known uh, legal interpreter with us. Uh, it's a surprise. So I will save it for this weekend, which is going live. Please send us your questions and your emails if you have any at thelinguistsradio at gmail.com. Have a good night, guys. Bye.
Have a good night, everybody.